0: I want to tell you two stories. The first story is from my days at UCLA when I was an undergrad student. So you're going back 20 years now. The Muslim Student Association, an organization that has routinely supported Hamas and Hezbollah ideologically and otherwise, put out a student newspaper at the time called Al-Talib. That student newspaper joked in the run-up to 9-11 about renaming the newspaper Al-Taliban and making Osama bin Laden editor-in-chief. They also, again, in rhetoric, supported Hamas, Hezbollah. They didn't make any bones about any of this. When I sought to write about this stuff as an undergrad for the UCLA Daily Bruin, which was the campus newspaper, I was told such columns would not be run. Those were the only columns I ever wrote for the UCLA Daily Bruin, again, this is back in like 2000, 2001, that the Daily Bruin ever refused outright to run. Story number two is about a decade ago. My wife and I visited London. It happened to be Boxing Day. I know anything about Boxing Day, but it turns out that everything in London was basically closed. Everything except for Madame Tussauds Wax Museum. Well, we had nothing better to do, so my wife and I went there. And inside the wax museum, there were the usual bevy of famous figures. In the final room, there was a wax of Albert Einstein. So we took some funny photos, and then we turned around. And what we saw was three young Muslims, two women and a man. they were also taking pictures with the Einstein wax. They were strangling the Einstein wax. Well, it occurred to me that perhaps that might have something to do with the fact that Einstein was pretty obviously Jewish. But I brushed it off because I'm a good westerner. You know, maybe these guys just hated the general theory of relativity or something. Well, at the time, the museum also concluded with a wax of Adolf Hitler. Now, this wasn't a wax that my wife and I particularly wanted a photo with, but it turns out that these young Muslims did. This time, they got really buddy-buddy with the wax. They put their arms around Hitler, they posed smilingly with Hitler Multiculturalism is a failure. It has always been a failure. Multiculturalism, the suggestion that all cultures are at root the same in quality and beauty and truth, it is a lie. That lie is dangerous. That lie leads to moral blindness. As we've been discussing the last few days, it leads to atrocities, murdered babies, raped women, kidnappings, beheadings. It leads to death. It leads to carnage. But multiculturalism doesn't just excuse evil abroad. It brings it home. Multiculturalism suggests that we in the West, in the United States, the UK, France, Germany, and the rest of the Western world, we have to open our borders. After all, if we don't, we're racists. If you believe that all cultures are morally equivalent, that all cultures are equally meritorious, the only reason then to deny somebody entry is race, and that makes you a racist. There's a reason that multicultural advocates are open borders advocates. It's because their logic demands it. What difference would it make to you if migrants are arriving from the Gaza Strip or from Taiwan underneath all cultures are the same. Well, that is ridiculous. And we all know it's ridiculous. We've all been afraid to say it for decades, even in countries where the leadership has recognized the failures of multiculturalism, broadly speaking. That same leadership has been totally unable to speak the truth about migration. And when they do, they are chastised by the media. This is why the media has pretended away disproportionate criminal activity from Middle Eastern and African migrants to Europe to recognize the truth would be awkward. It might seem racist because we're not allowed to point out that's not about race, It's about culture and not all cultures are the same. We're seeing this shyness today across the world and the effects of it as fundamentalist Muslims rally in favor of Hamas, a terror group that slaughtered 1,300 Jews in Western countries. They are joined by useful idiots on the radical left who believe in a coalition of the dispossessed that can help tear down the institutions of the West. Hence all the talk recently by left-wingers about mass murder of Jews as just, you know, decolonization. Question, are these people we actually want in our country? It's a serious question. These are not people who are protesting for a Palestinian state or even protesting Israeli policies. These are people who are protesting in favor of a terrorist government that just committed the worst atrocities against Jews since the Holocaust. And there are thousands of such protesters in the West because multiculturalism is a failure. We can pretend it's not, but it is. And what we're watching right now, breaking out from London to New York, from our campuses to the streets of Paris, is a breakdown in the social fabric of the West. It's a breakdown brought about by a failure of confidence in our own values and unwillingness to declare the superiority of those values. Now, we're feeling that in my community directly today. That is because Hamas has now called for a global day of rage in the middle of a war that they initiated because they decided to slaughter civilians in their beds. Instead of directing all of their resources toward helping Gazan civilians, which is, you know, what a normal government might do, they've decided that doesn't matter at all. Instead, what they are doing is they are calling for a worldwide day of jihad, That is for today. They're referring to the day as the Al-Aqsa flood, according to Breitbart, the Middle East Media Research Institute Memory, which has been doing amazing work for years, largely ignored. You've seen them on this show, but a lot of other shows haven't played their stuff. All they do, literally all they do all day long is they watch Hamas TV and they watch Palestinian Arab TV and they watch Al Jazeera in Arabic and then they translate that stuff and they put it online. Memory reported Hamas is saying, quote, We declare next Friday, the Friday of the Al-Aqsa flood, as a day of general mobilization in our Arab and Islamic world and among the free people of the world. It is a day to rally, support, offer aid, and participate actively. It is a day to expose the crimes of the occupation, isolate it, and foil all of its aggressive schemes. It is a day for sacrifice, heroism, and dedication, and to earn the honor of defending the first Qibla of Muslims, the third holiest mosque, and the ascension of the trusted messenger. We call upon the free people of the world to mobilize in solidarity with our Palestinian people and in support of their just cause and legitimate rights to freedom, independence, return, and self-determination. They've called more specifically for protests. They have suggested that Palestinians rise up within Judea and Samaria in the so-called West Bank. They've called on Arab citizens of Israel to attack the state. They've called on Arabs in the surrounding countries to attack the borders of Israel. And these protests that they're calling for across the globe, They aren't just protests. They've called for action, right? part of a global day of jihad. Well, this has resulted in law enforcement having to step up patrols on Jewish houses of worship and businesses. According to NBC News, local and federal law enforcement agencies across the United States are stepping up their patrols of Jewish houses of worship, Jewish owned businesses, Israeli diplomatic buildings. I can tell you that the amount of worry in the Jewish community in the United States is extremely high. A lot of people keeping their kids home from school today because they're worried about the global day of jihad. And those worries are not empty. We've seen mass protests in a huge number of cities. Right here where I live in South Florida, there have been a bunch of protests. A lot of these protests have devolved into some level of chaos if any counter-protesters show up. The, um, the attempt to go international with this sort of stuff is a new thing. Usually when they call for a day of rage, it's usually something that happens specifically in the Middle East. Now they're attempting to broaden all of this out. How seriously is NYPD taking this? Well, apparently the NYPD canceled all training officer, all training for officers on Thursday or the entire force to be in uniform and on patrol. The officials at the police department said that they'll have additional security at large gatherings, cultural sites, and houses of worship. All personnel have to report in Los Angeles in uniform as well. So things are, are getting very ugly in a lot of these major cities. Apparently, none of the online threats are specific and credible at this point. But out of an abundance of caution, again, there are schools in New York that are actively shutting down. They're saying there are no credible threats, but I don't know what what you would expect Jews to believe at this point about a credible threat, considering it was the greatest slaughter of of Jews since, again, the Holocaust. So a lot of Jews are, uh, are very, very worried today. Some Jewish schools I mentioned in New York have closed. The worries are not empty. The worries are not empty. And the reason that you know that the worries are not empty is because of what is happening here in the United States, as well as abroad. So just take a quick example. Apparently, according to odyssey.com and 1010 Wins, a 19-year-old woman attacked a 24-year-old male Israeli student with a stick outside of Columbia University's main library amid division on campus regarding the Israel-Hamas war. The police responded to a report of the assault in Morningside Heights, outside Butler Library at 6.10 p.m. on Wednesday. The attack occurred when the victim confronted the woman after watching her tear down flyers displaying the names and pictures of Israelis kidnapped by Hamas last weekend. The victim, who asked to be referred to anonymously for fear of safety, included, suffered some minor bruises. But apparently what happened is that a group was hanging up posters of the people who are currently being held hostage and the suspect ripped the posters down. And when they said, why are you doing that? The suspect then attacked the people who are putting the posters up. And you might think that's an isolated incident. You might think, well, you know, this sort of stuff happens on campus all the time, except for the fact that what we see in broad scale, and and universities are the very center of it, is a green-red alliance. And by green-red alliance here, I'm talking about Hamas green, and I'm talking about far-left red. And that alliance has been ongoing for a very long time on campuses. It's now bled over into our regular politics and into sort of daily life. So our friend Ami Horowitz, he went down to the East Village of New York. Remember, this is not the Gaza Strip. This is not the Middle East. This is the East Village of New York. And he asked some 30 people whether Hamas was justified in murdering 1,300 Jews in their beds. And uh, here's how it went. Their attack on Israel was justified? Um, It's just just
1: the cause and effect of, of oppression.
0: Hamas have the moral high ground
1: here. I feel like Hamas are just defending themselves from years and years of oppression and looking around. Living through the rumbles, and I feel like it's just justified, and they're traumatized. Yeah,
0: a lot of my friends kind of side with Israel, but I, I feel like there's more than one side to this. I wouldn't say the attacks are fully unjustified. I'm on the side of Palestine. The Israeli government has kind of
1: been kind of brutalized about Palestinians, so I understand
0: why. They try and fight
1: back. I understand where they're coming from, and I understand why they're doing what they're doing.
0: They're fighting back. They've been entrapped for 15 years.
1: 75 years of oppression, 15 years of a blockade. They need to break out of prison, and that's exactly what they were doing. Yeah, years of genocide and raping and stuff. Yeah, I think so. They have every right to defend themselves.
0: I'm Out of the 30 people that we spoke to, a total of two thought Hamas's brutality was unjustified. And again, that is not rare. That's the East Village of New York. So again, the, the green-red axis rides, and it is very active in the United States. It's active in London. It's active in France. A Fairfax County School Board member named Abrar Omesh, an elected official in Fairfax County, this is Virginia, actively opposed a moment of silence for the victims of the Hamas massacre. Just, this is just a couple of nights ago.
1: It might seem simple. Aggressors attacking families and a state seeking vengeance. But we often sympathize with and humanize the side that we relate to, and the side that looks more like us, or that our biases guide us towards. But doing so obscures the root of the violence. Centuries of human history teach us that escalations happen when problems are ignored, realities are denied, and voices are censored, when one narrative dominates from the world stage all the way to our classrooms. We do our students no favors by calling for peace and being unwilling to back what peace requires. As the old civil rights adage goes,
0: no justice, no peace. You see, no justice, no peace, according to an elected official in Fairfax, Virginia, Abra Omesh requires that Jewish babies be slaughtered in their cribs. This is, is what, honestly, it's just, it's just, you need context. You need nuance. Or perhaps we have a lot of very, very evil people who believe a very lot of evil things living here in the West because the West has opened itself up wide with its multicultural nonsense. Here are Michigan Democrats just the other day refusing a vote on a moment of silence for Israeli victims. You know why this is. This is because a huge percentage of Michigan Democrat support comes from the Michigan Muslim community. That would be the same community in, for example, Dearborn, that was holding a mass rally in favor of Hamas over the course of the past couple of days. Speaker recognizes Representative Schutte. Thank you, Madam Speaker. I move to discharge the Committee on Government Operations from further consideration of H.R. 146 and request a record roll call vote.
1: Uh, Representative Schutte moves the discharge of his resolution. All those is the demand supported? The demand is not supported. Now the question is on discharge. All those in favor will say aye. aye. Those opposed nay. Aye. The resolution is not
0: discharged. The speaker recognizes Majority Floor Leader Ayash. Yes, Speaker. voting, as as well, you know, the, the House adjourned to stand adjourns until house. Tuesday. October 17th at one30 Without objection,
1: so order. The House will stand at ease.
0: That's right. The Michigan House, dominated by Democrats at this point, refusing a moment of silence for Israeli victims, for Jewish victims of, again, the worst massacre in the past 80 years against Jews. In one second, I want to get to what's happening on campus. First, obviously, all of this is creating an enormous amount of, of uncertainty in the economic sphere. And the the uncertainty in the economic sphere is going to dominate for the next couple of years, if not longer than that. One way for you to actually hedge your bets on that sort of stuff is to take a look at Birch Gold. Well, Birch Gold will help you at least diversify into assets like precious metals. You can call Birch Gold today, preserve your savings in a tax-sheltered retirement account. I've been a customer of Birch Gold Group for years. They're the experts in precious metals, and they make it incredibly easy to become a customer. If you have an IRA or a 401k from a previous employer that's just gathering dust, you should call Birch Gold. They'll help you convert it into an IRA in gold. You won't pay a penny out of pocket. They'll simply convert that 401k that's just sitting in a bank somewhere into physical gold. That can't be tampered with. Text BEN to 989898. Birch Gold will send you a free info kit on gold if digital currency becomes a reality. You're going to be glad that you have something physical to fall back on if the economic stagnation that we expect becomes a reality. You're going to want some physical gold. Text Ben to 989898. 98 98. Claim your free info kit on gold today. Okay, so America's campuses are, of course, the sort of chief rallying point for not only radical Muslim activity in the United States, but also for generalized left-wing activity in the United States. So if the green-red axis, the Hamas communist, the Hamas far-left axis is going to form an alliance, obviously it's going to be on campus. That's precisely what we're seeing. We have so much footage pouring in of protesters at, at various universities, demonstrating the moral evil. Uh, It is impossible to go through all of it, but we'll start with uh, Colombia. Here's some protesters at Colombia. And shouting, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. That slogan, of course, is a genocidal slogan meant to destroy literally every Jew in the region. And as we've seen from Hamas, we know exactly what that means. That means the full-scale slaughter of Jews. And those are Americans, presumably, who are shouting that in the middle of the Columbia University campus. Now, remember, these are campuses that are deeply worried about microaggressions. If you say that a boy is a boy and a girl is a girl, then you may have microaggressed to the point where you will be disciplined by the campus offices. But if you shout from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, that like directly the same week that 1,300 Jews were murdered in their beds, well, then That's that's just, you know, complex moral nuance because multiculturalism, gang, it's just a different culture. It's just a different type of thinking. And we have to explain we have have to understand that really things are just very nuanced and cycle of violency. Very, very complex. Now, you can feel people reverting back to their priors. I said a couple of days ago that people have revelations about politics in hot moments, in moments of clarity. And then they immediately revert to the priors. You can feel it happening in real time. And so. Already, the shock effect of people who are protesting in favor of the people who just murdered and burned babies, already the shock effect of that is wearing away because we are going already, you can feel it happening. We are already going back to our Western priors, which is everyone's reasonable. Everyone can have a conversation. All cultures are basically equivalent. Everyone wants to be free, and it's not true. It's not true. The people who are shouting from the river to the sea, Palestine, will be free. Those people are not friends of the West. Those are enemies of the West. Those are people who hate the West just as much as they hate Israel. Those are people who are fully willing to give their full backing to a murderous, genocidal, anti-Jewish group. And then we all kind of like brush it off because we don't want to see. We don't want to see. The blinders are right back on. You can feel it happening in real time. You can feel it happening. People want their priors to be true. And those priors are so comforting. The prior that anti-Semitism, well, it's a vestige of the past. We'll never have a Holocaust again. It doesn't matter. We just saw Holocaust-level violence against Jews in Israel. Jews killed for being Jews. It doesn't matter. We're going to recontextualize it and pretend away the reason that it happened. Or we're going to manufacture reasons why it happened. Or we're going to say that the Jews are just as bad as the Nazis that they face. That's what we're going to say. And you can feel it happening in real time. Because otherwise, to look at the specter of thousands, I'm talking thousands of people across the United States, rallying in favor of a group that is as bad or worse than Al-Qaeda, might be somewhat disquieting. It might call into question some of our priors about who we should let into the country or about which cultures are equivalent to other cultures and which cultures are abjectly, manifestly inferior. There is no such thing as an inferior race. Races, well, I mean, it's not clear exactly where the boundaries are between races. Race is a genetic aspect that that has to do with facial structure or maybe has to do with point of origin or maybe has to do with your skin color. None of that is relevant when it comes to human interpersonal relations. The only thing that really matters is culture. Culture, of course is how you act. It is the way that you think. And all of that is environmentally imbibed. That doesn't come from your race. That distinction is crucial. That distinction is really important. Saying that certain cultures are worse than other cultures is simply saying that some ways of thought and ways of acting are worse than other ways of thought and ways of acting, which is obviously true unless you are an idiot. At UCLA, mass protests, people screaming intifada, intifada, intifada means uprising. Uh, this is a call for more Palestinians to murder Jews, obviously. Uh, and this is a pretty massive rally at my alma mater, Again, folks, if you have a kid who's getting ready for college, you should think very seriously about whether you wish to send them to one of these garbage indoctrination centers and instead maybe, you know, get them a job. Here is uh, what it looked like at UCLA yesterday. By the way, you can see how many of these people are wearing masks. You know why they're wearing masks? Not because they're afraid of COVID. The reason they're wearing masks is because they don't wish to be identified. Why don't they wish to be identified with their cause? Because they know that that cause is evil. That is particularly true for the, uh, for the members of radical Muslim communities who are, are not saying this stuff just for show. There are a lot of kind of fellow traveler liberals who are trying to demonstrate their bona fides. In the same way that you saw a bunch of morons go out in the street rallying with the perverse organization Black Lives Matter in order to demonstrate their bona fides to their fellow liberal friends. You're seeing a lot of that at these campuses. That would be the red part of the Green Red Alliance here. But the people who are truly committed, those are the ones who are covering their faces. we get to more of these protests on college campuses in just one second. So I got to tell you, my phone coverage, it matters a lot to me these days. I've been spending literally every moment on the phone. The phone coverage that I trust, Pure Talk, as you know, Pure Talk happens to be a great company. They speak to, they have core values that are aligned with the values of The Daily Wire. Our veterans gave everything to protect the nation, and PureTalk understands the sacrifices that they've made. They set an ambitious goal to eliminate $10 million in military debt by Veterans Day. They can't do it alone. They need your help. When you switch to PureTalk's lightning-fast 5G network, they'll donate a portion of every new order to this noble cause. You can make a real difference just by choosing superior cell phone service. PureTalk's plans start at just 20 bucks a month, offering unlimited talk, text, more data, and mobile hotspot. Just go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Make that switch today. Let's rally together, show our unwavering support for American veterans. Visit puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Switch to Pure Talk today. Again, they happen to have amazing coverage, which is the reason I love Pure Talk. I'm not sure there's ever been a week in my life where I've been on the phone as much as this week. Pure Talk has been making it happen. Head over to puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Switch to Pure Talk today. It's the right move. Also, again, they share your values. It is the American way. Okay, so America's college campuses, they've not just been dominated by, uh, by fools. They're dominated by incredibly dangerous people. These are these are not people who share your values or American values. Here's a protest at George Mason University. Here's what that looked like. They got changed. We got hate fighters. They
1: got changed. We got hate fighters. Glory to the resistance fighters. Glory to the resistance fighters.
0: In case you can't hear what they are uh, chanting, what they are chanting is... They've got tanks, we've got hang gliders, glory to the resistance fighters. Uh, that would be a reference to the, the Hamas members who jetted in on resist on, on hang gliders into an EDM music festival and mowed down nearly 300 people. That is them at George Mason University openly cheering that. Again, pretend, pretend as much as you want. This is what these people believe. This is what these people believe. You don't believe they— w- one of the amazing things about the arrogance of the West is that they say it right out loud to your face, and you're like, nah, don't believe you. Don't believe it. Must be something else. Must be ulterior motives. Hamas is like, we want to murder all the Jews. And the media's like, but what do they really want? You have these people shouting that they, they're in faith, glory to the resistance fighters who just mowed down dance festival attendees. And everybody's like, nah, no, but what do they really want? It's really about the complexities of the Middle East, isn't it? Hmm. A lot of chin stroking these days. A lot of people think, oh my gosh, well, you know, this does this conflict does have a long history. Now listen, we can go through the history. You go to my YouTube page, I have an entire 45-minute explanation of the history. And we're going to put out an episode this weekend that explains some of the myths about all of this. But that's not what this is about. This is about murdering Jews, and they are in favor of it. Up or down on the murder of Jews. And they're like, yes. And we're like, we don't believe you. I'm sorry. Like. You say you want to murder Jews, but what I think you really want, what you really want is a better economic way of life. It's like, well, if they wanted a better economic way of life, maybe they would have pursued that or put their focus there. But I notice that's not where they're putting any of their focus. But by, by the way, have you ever noticed uh, the, uh, the dramatic lack of Palestinian advocates rushing to the microphones to condemn this? Have you noticed that? Just a little bit. Like at all? Now, it's amazing. In the United States, whenever there is any sort of horrific shooting that is committed by somebody who is even vaguely associated with a political cause. Everybody vaguely associated with that political cause comes out and condemns it. Of course, because they want to make clear that they are dissociated from that evil. Have you seen anyone coming out and being like, man, that, that Hamas group, they're truly evil. I mean, we're not associated with them. They're truly evil. And the answer is no. The answer is no. Because again, the cause is not a territorial dispute. Israel could not give away land enough absent its own destruction that would please these people. They couldn't. And by the way, you know what that entails. That means death of every Jew in the area. For all the talk about quote unquote Israeli apartheid, let me point out just a quick fact. 20% of Israel's population is Arab. You know what I noticed? 0% of Gaza's population is Jewish. 0% of any of the Palestinian-ruled areas in the West Bank are Jewish. 0% of Jordan is Jewish. 0% of Egypt is Jewish. 0%. Of Iran, effectively speaking, is Jewish, the tiny Jewish population. Zero percent of Syria is Jewish, 0% of Lebanon is Jewish, 0% of Saudi Arabia is Jewish. I mean, weird, weird. It's just strange how that worked. Strange. But don't worry, it's 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 Israel that is the problem. And and again, they say it right to your face. They say it right to you. they're not hiding the ball. This is the part that is that is just astonishing to me. And it will never cease to be astonishing. They do it right in front of you. They say it right to your face, and everybody in the media goes, No, no, we no. No, couldn't. No. The protests continued across the country. Arizona Arizona State University had a big protest yesterday. Again, in favor of Hamas. Again, look at the size of this protest. Uh, I have a question. Are these people who, uh, who are marching in favor of Hamas that you would want working for your company? Serious question. You get to choose. You get to choose. It seems to me that supporting Hamas is a pretty good barrier to entry for uh, for people, you know, earning a solid living at Chase Manhattan Bank, or it should be. University of Washington had a mass pro-Hamas protest as as well. Here is what that looked like. <sighs> So this is um, Antifa joined together with uh, Palestinian advocates, of course. And when I say Palestinian, I mean Hamas advocates. And remember, all the talk about how Hamas is separable from the movement. Uh, The movement isn't trying to separate Hamas from it, I noticed. Just the thing I noticed. Have have you heard a single call for Hamas to turn over the hostages? From any of these people? Any call? Any? Bueller? Of course not. They don't care. They're perfectly happy for Jewish hostages to be murdered in tunnels. They don't care. They don't give a sh. They don't, they don't care whether come out, whether Gazan civilians die. Has there been any call? for? Because you know what Israel said? They turn off the water and power. And Israel said, by the way, we'll turn it back on if you give us our hostages. And everybody goes, how could they turn off the water and power? Well, I noticed that's a conditional statement. If you turn the hostages over, we will turn back on the water and power. And it seems like not an unreasonable demand since you are holding babies and women and Holocaust survivors. That seems like, by the way, you're holding a dozen Americans. It seems like not the most unreasonable, but... Has one protester said that Hamas might want to turn those people over? Not not one. Has one protester acknowledged that if Hamas would would stop all of this, if they, if they would turn into a legit government, which is what Israel wanted them to do for 20 years, after handing over the entire Gaza Strip to them, that none of this would have happened? That civilian deaths are on the hands of... Of course not. Are there any demands on the governing body in the Gaza Strip, which is Hamas, to protect civilians? No, of course not. Because the goal is the destruction of Israel. And if they can't do it by running into Israel and murdering every civilian, then they will attempt to do it by relieving the international legitimacy of Israel by planting babies directly in front of military targets. That's precisely what they are doing right now. Again, these campuses, which are supposed places of safety and and openness and diversity, well, when it comes to Jewish students feeling, you know, just a little threatened by people who are now defending mass murder of Jews, and then, of course, there, there's nothing to be done. Here are Jewish students at University of Washington witnessing this pro-Hamas rally and being told by the authorities, well, you know, that's just the way that it goes. Now, listen, free speech is indeed free speech. Also, free speech has never obtained at these campuses. I've been banned from half these campuses for, for trying to just speak about things like economics. These these are places where, again, if you use the wrong pronoun, they will put you in the in the gulag. But if you say Jews should be murdered en masse and it's justified, then if a Jew gets upset, that's obviously, the you know, free speech that's when that's when the free speech bone kicks back in. interesting interesting how your standard kicks back in the minute the Jews are the victims. They want our people dead. Again, it's a it's a remember, it's a um, it's a micro. Why would Jews live in fear after 1300 of them were slaughtered? And then all of their advocates come out on campus rallying for the slaughterers. Why would they be afraid uh, in the in the world of microaggressions? Um, I notice that there are certain microaggressions. You guys do not seem to care. macroaggressions rather that you don't seem to care very much about at all. Now, I get back to this question. of How much support does Hamas have in the so-called moderate Palestinian community or pro-Palestinian community? And the answer is I'm still looking for the people who are wildly attempting to diso- dissociate from Hamas at this point. Where are they? Like, really, where are they? I'm gonna give you an example. So there's a Palestinian-American activist and a human rights attorney named uh, Noura Erakat, who's on with Katie Tur. The, the media, by the way, are desperately searching for a Palestinian advocate who will dissociate from Hamas and say that Hamas is utterly unjustified, a garbage organization and terror organization. They can't find anybody. They can't find anybody. You know why? Because it turns out that these folks don't think like you. They don't think like you. They don't think it's bad. They don't think it is inarguably bad to kill babies. They don't. I don't know what else to tell you. They're saying it to your face. I'm not saying it. They're saying it. How many times do they have to say it before you believe it? It's not even me characterizing what they're saying. It's them saying it. So here is a, a moderate Palestinian-American activist and human rights attorney. This is what human rights attorneys do, is they worry deeply about the legitimacy of, um, of Hamas. They worry deeply about how much Hamas was provoked to this. Uh, this is Noor Arakat saying that Israel is responsible for all of it.
1: Nora, the images that we've been seeing for the past six days, both inside of Gaza and the images of what happened to the Israeli citizens, both have been so gut wrenching, so difficult to watch. It, 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 it makes it feel like there is a, a, an intractability to this fight. As you've been studying this, what what can happen next? Thank you, Katie. These are indeed gut wrenching image, gut wrenching images, but they are also preventable images and preventable mass atrocities. The condition that the largest crime and the condition that sustains this violence is the crime of apartheid and the apartheid system that Israel oversees and that the United States has been the primary supporter of in military, financial ah. and diplomatic support.
0: OK, by the way, Nora Arakat, again, a human rights attorney. She's very much in favor of human rights. She says that Hamas is a political movement. Here she is explaining. It's a political movement, guys. It's not a terror group that murders civilians and aims rockets at babies and murders children in their bed and rapes women. They're a political movement, don't you see? These are the moderates. These are the moderates. Where are the moderates, guys? Where are they? Honestly, where are you? Israel's been searching for the moderates for like 40 years. Israel does not want to govern 2 million Palestinians in the Gaza Strip. They don't. They wanted not to govern it so strongly they handed it over to a terrorist group. Israel wants so strongly not to govern Areas like Janine, they handed over to Yasser Arafat, an actual terrorist who actively shot Jews. Like, that's how much they don't want to govern it. By the way, not just Israel. I've mentioned this before. Israel tried to turn over the Gaza Strip to Egypt. You know what Israel, Egypt said? They were like, no, we don't want them. Are you out of your mind? They tried to turn over places like Janine to Jordanian control. The Jordanians like, are you kidding me? No way. It, but don't worry, Hamas is a legit political group. Where are the moderates? Where are they? Where are they? See, it turns out that all your crap about the peace process. It requires a peace partner. But if there is no peace partner, so you're just going to wish cast your way into a peace partner, it ain't going to work. Again, these are the moderates. The moderates say that Hamas is a political movement.
1: And a unity government. I think Hamas can stay. Whether or not they can or cannot stay... Is not the issue because the alternative of what you're saying is that we decimate Hamas. And I have to remind viewers, Hamas is a political movement comprised of Palestinians who believe in a freedom struggle forward. They are not merely these sensational images that you see. The members of Hamas that you saw recently, right? I just want to make clear to people that these are not monsters who emerge from underground just after wanting to terrorize Israelis. These are young men who have only grow, grown up under siege for the past 17 years, who have been subject to four large-scale offensive that have bombed them in their homes, that have targeted medics and hospitals and water supplies, that have refused
0: them the, Remember, they're not monsters. The, the people who rape women and kidnap babies and, and, and kill, kill them, them. They're, they're not people. monsters, she says. She says it. By the way, what pres- the, the, the context-free insanity of what she's saying here. It, you know, they've been the victims of ground- well, hey- Pray tell, what might have preceded those ground incursions that Israel had to fight? Or or the aerial bombardment that Israel had to use in the Gaza? What might have preceded that? Oh, was it thousands of rockets falling on Israeli cities? Might it have been that? The gall of these people and the media buy it because they don't want to believe it. They can't believe it. They refuse to believe it. It undermines their entire worldview. If there are people who have cultures that are inferior, it undermines their entire, I'm sorry, any culture that calls Hamas freedom fighters and talks about the victimization of people who murder babies in their cribs, that is an inferior culture. And if you can't say that, there is something wrong with you. But there is something wrong with the media. The thing that is wrong with the media is they hate their own culture so much that they cannot even deal with the idea that there are superior and inferior cultures and they've surrendered. And when you surrender, you lose. By the way, again, not just a problem for, uh, for our media. It is also a problem internationally. The number of mass protests that we are seeing all around the world in favor of Hamas should be truly terrifying to Westerners who actually care about, you know, Western values. We'll get to that in a moment. According to a recent report, Planned Parenthood continues to rake in billions in taxpayer funding and private contributions, and yet pro-life organizations are winning the hearts and minds of their clientele. While Planned Parenthood continues to rake in the big bucks, the number of abortions performed year over year is slowly decreasing. In short, we are winning the fight to end abortion, but there is a long way to go. This is why my show partners with Preborn. They're the largest provider of free ultrasounds in the United States. Preborn has figured out that by letting a woman see her baby on ultrasound and listen to its heartbeat, that baby's chance at life is doubled. But Preborn operates on a really, really slim budget. All the money is going towards saving babies. They rescue over 200 babies every single day. No government funding. They need your help. A donation of just 28 bucks will cover a free ultrasound to an expectant mom. After seeing the life growing inside her, she is twice as likely to choose life. Please consider making a small donation. Your tax-deductible gift will go directly toward saving babies' lives. Dial pound 250, say keyword baby. That is pound 250, baby. Go check them out right now. Preborn.com slash Ben. They're doing an amazing thing for mothers and for babies every single day. Go to preborn.com slash Ben or dial pound 250 and say keyword baby. Okay, so it's not just a problem of exporting terrorism and and terror support to the United States. Obviously, it's also happening in countries across Across the world, massive pro-terrorism protest in Paris yesterday. Here's what that looked like. Look at the size of this. Look at the size of that protest. Look at the size of the of the number of people who love Hamas, who love baby murder. Look at that. Astonishing, and they're they're saying it out loud. All the quiet parts they say out loud, all of them. Do does the West have any obligation? I have a question. Does the West have any any obligation? to absorb people who who cheer the murder of babies. I just have a question. Like, what obligation do we, the West, have to take in people from a culture that says that what Hamas just did is totally fine and part of a broader struggle? What obligation does the West have? And if you feel that the West has that obligation, I ask you a question. Why don't you house some of these people in your house? Seriously, welcome on in. You want them in? You take them. Put them in your house. Put them in your Put them in your apartment. You got an extra bedroom. What's the problem? After all, it's a multicultural world and we're all the same underneath. Here are Hamas supporters in Vienna. Again, look at the um, side uh, the size of um, the Hamas support here. There's a few police officers surrounded by this mass protest in favor of Hamas. Dancing and cheering. That's in Austria, gang. That's not that's not in Gaza City. That is not in Amman. That is in Austria. That is in Austria. Hey, how about London? Well, we know London's been a serious problem in terms of its um, its danger for Jews for quite a while. Here's just the latest, bro. This is one of the smaller protests in recent days. Free, 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 Palestine. Free, free, Palestine. Yeah, here they are um, You know, carrying smoke and, uh, and Palestinian flags and, and all the rest of this. Again, this is in the aftermath of attacks on Jews. That's what this is. Okay, so all of this is part and parcel of this group of people. And when I say this group of people, I mean Hamas and its supporters who are playing a suckers game with you. And the suckers game is that you are a fool and you will revert back to your priors. That is the suckers game. And you probably will. The West probably will. Because the West does not have any sort of cojones about its own values. At all, none. So they are immediately shifting the focus to what's going on in Gaza. That's fine. We should be focusing on what is going on in Gaza. Tremendous human suffering in Gaza. Every bit of it is Hamas's fault. Every single part of it is Hamas's fault. I'll say it again for those too slow to understand. I'll say it real slow in small words. Israel abandoned the Gaza Strip in 2005. It is now 2023. Hamas has ruled the Gaza Strip since 2006. It is now 2023. Hamas is in control of the Gaza Strip. Hamas is holding hostages. Hamas is in control of its own civilians. Those civilians live under the rule of the Hamas government in the Gaza Strip. Those civilians are Hamas's responsibility. It is a war crime to put your civilian in front of military targets. It is a war crime to shield your rockets with children. It is a war crime to hold hostages. It is a war crime to put hostages in a war zone to pre- try to prevent bombing. All of these are war crimes. Every ounce of blood that is spilled, every building that is taken down, every ugly photo you see from Gaza is on Hamas. It is that simple. There is no duality about this. What, have I been unclear? Please explain the flaw in this particular thinking. I'm waiting. Naturally, the, uh, the Hamas advocates... Uh, they've, they've now decided that they have degrees in international law, which is exciting. Uh, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, one of our most brilliant expositors of international law, being a bartender and all. Uh, she, uh, she says, this is collected. She's talking about the cutoff of water and power to the Gaza Strip. The Israeli energy minister, Katz, he said, no electrical switch will be turned on. No water hydrant will be opened. No fuel truck will enter until the Israeli abductees are returned home. Well, again, seems like a conditional statement. At this point, AOC could say, you know what? They're holding like a bunch of Americans. In abject terror, probably some of them have already been raped, if not all. Some of them have been tortured. Many of them are probably dead already. But is she calling for the return of the hostages? Of course not. Of course not. Instead, she's saying that America has to draw a line with the Israelis. With the Israelis. The real war crime is Israel fighting Hamas. Yeah, she's a genius, folks. This is is your rising star in the Democratic Party. Slow clap for you geniuses who decided to make her the face of your party.
1: Our responsibility is to the stability and the security of the region. That means being able to support, uh, not support. Yes, Israel in its defensive capacities, right, and its not to not in, in, support in, Israel, in not that support No context,
0: in, but it oh, I mean, like, also defen- means oh.
1: that the United States has a responsibility to ensure accountability to human rights to prevent the ethnic cleansing of Palestinians and to ensure that horrors do not happen in the names of victims who do not want their tragedy Mm. used to justify further violence and injustice.
0: She's going to speak on behalf of the dead Jews in Kfar Aza. She's going to speak on behalf of the dead Jews in Sterot. She's going to speak on behalf of the grandparents who watched their grandchildren be murdered in cold blood. She's going to speak on their behalf. I, I, I want, I want... Every Democrat who has defended this, I, I want them explaining what she meant by that. I want them explaining. I want her explaining what she meant. What did she mean when she just said that in the name of the? they don't want their victim. They don't want their victimhood to be used to justify this. You're speaking on behalf of the dead bodies. in Kfar Beri, that's what in Kibbutz Barry, that's that's who you're speaking on behalf of. Let me explain something. That's not how international law works. Geneva Conventions, Article 29, the party to the conflict in whose hands protected persons may be is responsible for the treatment accorded to them by its agents, irrespective of any individual responsibility which may be incurred. When in other words, for those who can't read and don't speak legal, what that means is that if you are the governing party and you have civilians and you put them in front of military targets, that is your fault. Article 28, the presence of a protected person, that would be a civilian, may not be used to render certain points or areas immune from military operations, which is precisely what left-wing morons are claiming today. That basically, murder Jews plus I hide behind children means immunity. That's what they're claiming today. That's the formula. I murder Jews plus I hide behind a Gaza civilian. I am now immune. That is what they are attempting to claim. Geneva Convention 3. No prisoner of war may at any time be sent to or detained in areas where he may be exposed to the fire of the combat zone, nor may his presence be used to render certain points or areas immune from military operations. That sound familiar? Like don't put hostages in the line of fire, which is exactly what they've been doing. Or how about this ICC statute utilizing the presence of a civilian or other protected person to render certain points, areas or military forces immune from military operations constitutes a war crime in international armed conflicts. How about the 1977 additional protocol one article 51.7 says, quote, the parties to the conflict shall not direct the movement of the civilian population or individual civilians in order to attempt to shield military objectives from attacks or to shield military operations. You may have noticed that that's precisely what Hamas is doing. Israel is currently telling people to leave and Hamas is currently telling them to stay, to use them as human shields. According to the Geneva Conventions, article 53 any destruction by the occupying power of real or personal property belonging individually or collectively to private persons is prohibited, except where such destruction is rendered absolutely necessary by military operations, which is what is happening right now. I mean, it's, it's clear under international law that a country has the ability to defend itself, and it is also clear under international law the human rights violator is the person who stations babies in front of its rockets. But I, I can't. I can't get over AOC saying that. I can't. I can't get over her saying that um, she speaks in the name of the victims to leave Hamas alone. The and there are no words. There are there are no words. By the way, her, her garbage about ethnic cleansing is a talking point that I just like to bunk. I like to clean this up real fast. This talking point: the Palestinian uh, the Palestinian population in 1948, which is the year of the establishment of the state of Israel, in that region in the in the region of Gaza. Israel today, Judea and Samaria, all of it, 1.37 million. Here are the populations today in these particular areas. In the Gaza Strip, 2 million. In Judea and Samaria, the so-called West Bank, 3 million. Inside Israel, 1.6 million. So in other words, there are in this area, 1.37 million Palestinians living in 1948. Today, there are almost 7 million living in these areas. That is a really bad job of ethnic cleansing, I've noticed. However, you know what else I noticed? The number of Jews who are living in Iraq There were tens of thousands of Jews living in Iraq in 1948. how many live there now? Zero. How many Jews were living in Iran in 1948? Hundreds of thousands. You know how many are living there now? Zero. How many Jews were living in Jordan, in Egypt, in any of these places before 1948? The answer is a lot. How many are living there now? Zero. But you know what happened? Historically speaking, the state of Israel, the tiny state of Israel with barely a military, took in all of them. Some 800,000 Jews were kicked out of Arab countries, Muslim countries, in 1947, 1948, and Israel took in all of them. Meanwhile, you know what the Arabs did with, uh, these, with these refugee populations? They put them in refugee camps and they left them there for 70 years. For 70 years. And this is why Jake Tapper yesterday, he was pointing out, you know, I, I noticed that uh, Muslim countries are not doing anything to help Gazan civilians. Oh, that's a shock. That's a shock, except unless you've read, you know, a book. Here is Jake Tapper yesterday.
1: What about the innocent um Palestinians, can they get out, yeah. right? The, the women, the children, right. the, the elderly, how can they get out? That still has not been figured out. No. Egypt does not want to open the Rafa crossing.
0: They're refusing to.
1: They, they don't, right. Egypt, Jordan, I mean, Qatar, the UAE, Saudi Arabia, all these countries that prepare, that, that, that talk about how much they care about the Palestinians, they could help right now. They could help the Palestinians escape they could help. They could say, "Okay, stop bombing, and we will go in there and we will, yeah. we will, we will help Gaza like become a thriving society." They they could do all sorts of things. They have money, by the way. I've heard that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but where I, are they? Where are they? Is where they usually are, which is you know generally on the sidelines and and pretty um, myopically thinking about themselves. Plus, you know, they would all
1: like Hamas to go away.
0: So um, they're not taking in any. Again, Egypt, you look at that map again, Egypt, right there on the southern part, that Rafah crossing right there. You know what Egypt said? No way, no way in hell. In fact, not only that, let me show you some pictures of the Egypt-Gaza border. This is what the Egypt-Gaza border looks like. You think that that's that, that terrible, that terror separation wall, the one that was breached by Hamas, that's that's terrible. I'm going to show you now what the wall looks like between Gaza and Egypt. Oh, look, it's a two-layer giant wall. That's amazing. Who could have foreseen such a thing? Look at that. It is a giant two-layer wall backed by military. Also, along that, there are, um, there are tunnels, massive tunnels that have been built, and massive underground barriers that are 20 meters deep to stop those tunnels from entering into the Sinai Desert, which is controlled by Egypt. The barrier is made of bomb-proof super-strength steel, which cannot be cut or melted. So, uh, yeah, that, that's, a, that's, a thing that, uh, that's a thing that I noticed. As far as where the Muslim countries are, the answer is where they always are, using the Palestinians as a tool for their own revenge while simultaneously denying them entry to their countries. Again, in 1948, 700,000 Palestinians were either leaving or expelled. Unclear how many left preemptively because all Arab society had broken down in 47, 48 and how many were kicked out. But 700,000 Palestinians leave or are expelled. Zero are taken in by the Arab countries, zero. And you know what? Then happened, it turns out the Palestinians who ended up in other areas, they were subsequently kicked out by Arab countries. In 1970, Jordan expelled 20,000 Palestinians and killed 3,000 of them, by the way. In 1982, during the Lebanon War, the PLO was completely expelled and ended up in Tunis. In 1991, this is is one that nobody remembers, but it did happen during the Gulf War. At the beginning of the Gulf War, there were 400,000 Palestinians who were living in Kuwait. 400,000. During the course of the Gulf War and after, That number went to zero. They were kicked out. They all went to Jordan. Nobody cares. Because how Arabs treat other Arabs, how Muslims treat other Muslims, we don't care about that. We don't care about that. What we care about is that if Jews are victimized by Muslim terror, then Jews have to basically let themselves be victimized. And the only good Jew is a submissive Jew. Seems to be the the world's perspective on these particular issues all too often. This, of course, is uh, why the world has decided immediately that the civilian casualties in Gaza brought about entirely by Hamas, it could be ended tomorrow by Hamas, all of that uh, is on the Jews. Naftali Bennett, the former prime minister of the state of Israel, uh, he was on Sky News and he was confronted with this dumb argument. And here was his answer. And
1: what about those Palestinians in hospital who uh, are on life support and babies and incubators whose uh, life support and incubator will have to be turned off because the Israelis have cut the power to Gaza? Are you seriously keep on asking me about Palestinian civilians? What's, what's wrong with you? Have you not seen what happened? We're fighting Nazis. We don't target them. Now, the world can come and bring them anything they want. If you want to bring them electricity, I'm not going to feed electricity or water to my enemies. If anyone else wants, that's fine. We're not responsible well, this is, for this. This is the point. I want to tell you. No, you listen no, you're, you're to raising right your voice and I've we're heard trying, you enough. No, no. I understand. I, I've we're I've trying to have a, a conversation here. Listen, this no, is my you're, you're, you're program. This is my show. Guy. And I am yeah, asking the questions. You're raising your voice. And I've asked you. And we've already, we've already stopped, please. And let me finish. We've already distinguished between Hamas. I want to tell you, you're trying to speak over. No, no. Shame on you it's nothing I'm about pri- shame. we are trying Prime to have Minister. a conversation about a very serious situation because, here and you are refusing when you to address just it jump over immediately
0: and again and again you absolutely you not a narrative, you are incorrect They are
1: responsible because i can tell you that when the uk absolutely when great not. britain was fighting the nazis during world war 2 no one asked what's going on in dresden
0: okay ha- happens to be a fact i don't see a lot of i don't see a lot of the anchors on sky news shedding great tears over, over all of that because it happened a long time ago. But I'll just point out at this point, forget about World War II. I mean, if you look, look at World War II and the amount of civilian death that was incurred by the allies in the defeat of Nazi Germany and, and fascist Japan, you're talking well in excess of a million people who were killed. The firebombing of Dresden killed tens of thousands of people. The firebombing of Tokyo killed like hundreds of thousands of people. And that, that, that why? They were military targets. They're military targets. And now we have the luxury of looking back and going, oh, well, you know, that was bad. Maybe we shouldn't have done that. Or maybe we shouldn't have gone so hard. When bombs were falling on London, that ain't the mentality. But put that aside. That was, that was 80 years ago. Let's, let's go more modern. During the Afghanistan war that the United States fought in Afghanistan, at least 50,000 civilians were killed. At least 50,000. 50. Not one, not two, 50. And that was not an existential threat to the United States. Hey, terrorism was a threat to the people of the United States. Hamas is an existential threat to Israel, especially because if Hamas were to emerge from this unscathed, Hezbollah would come in from the north, and everyone knows that. And if Hezbollah comes in, by the way, you're looking at nuclear war. That is the reality. We'll get to the international of this in just one second, because what we're attempting to avoid here by allowing Israel, and I say we as the United States, what we are attempting to avoid here is a very small regional conflict developing into a global war, including nuclear weapons. I'll explain that in one second. But just to get back to the civilian point, the number of dead civilians in Iraq due to the Iraq invasion of the United States? Approximately 200,000. That is in a country very far away. That is not next door to the United States. But put that aside. How many dead civilians are there in Libya thanks to the Libyan bombing campaign undertaken by the Obama administration? At least 1,300. How many dead civilians were there in the ISIS war? At least 1,400. Okay, those are just wars involving the United States. When you look at dead civilians in the Middle East, you're talking about at least 500,000 in Syria in the last few years alone. No one seems to care. Hmm, weird. Why? I wonder why. Where's all the human rights outpouring? Where's is, where is all the whoa, the hue, and, the hue and cry by the anchors at Sky News? Where are they? Where are they? They're gone. They don't care. I notice they only care about one time. One time. There's only one time they care. And that is when Jews defend themselves. When Jews defend themselves, that's, that's when they get very uptight. That's when it's like, and it doesn't matter those Jews are taking more precautions to save civilians in Gaza than the ruling power of Gaza. It doesn't matter. It's the Jews' fault. The Jews have to go back to status quo ante. They have to to lick their wounds, absorb their loss, and wait for the next time that Jews get slaughtered in their beds. Because that's that's what Jews ought to do. That's what Jews ought to do. In order to justify that, you have to come up with um, some sort of of moral self-justification the way a lot of people have done it is by uh, involving themselves in propagandistic efforts to deceive themselves. As I said before, everyone wants to go back to their priors. And going back to your priors, the moral equivalence prior that was always stupid, it has been stupid for 40 years. The best way to do that is to just deny that what's happening is actually happening. And the best way to do that is to pretend that you're being lied to. So I want to take a quick example. Yesterday, I tweeted out a photo and I showed it on the show. It was a photo put out by the prime minister of Israel yesterday by the first responders in Kavar Aza. It was a picture of a baby burned to death. It was hideous, horrible picture. I didn't want to show it to you, but we have to know the nature of our enemies in the same way that we made a huge mistake as a country in the United States by not showing on a loop what happened on 9-11. When we barred that from our TVs, we blinded ourselves to what our enemies are. And then we're reminded of it every so often when, you know, they take over a country like Afghanistan and murder tens of thousands of people and blow up a bunch of American soldiers. Then we're reminded of it, but we put ourselves to sleep. So people want to go back to sleep. So what do they do? Yesterday, the community noted my tweet and claimed that the photo was AI-generated. The photo was obviously not AI-generated. It clearly was not AI-generated. And we're on community notes anyway. And people who are gullible and who wish to both sides this thing, because that's always the easiest position. In any given conflict, it's very, very easy to say, both sides, both sides. The problem is that in this particular case, it's pretty obvious it ain't both sides. But if you want to both sides this thing, what you have to say is that the atrocities weren't so bad. The atrocities don't really matter. Should we really be concerned about the atrocities? And so the community noted, and obviously... This is why, again, the propaganda wars, Hamas is fighting them right now. And there are a lot of gullible dupes out there who want to believe. If you want to believe, I can only attribute your, your desperation to believe in moral equivalence to one of two things. One, lack of understanding, stupidity. Or two, you actually hate Jews and you just want, and, and you're perfectly fine with them being slaughtered. For virtually everyone, I'm going to say one, but there are a lot of twos out there. There are a lot of twos out there, many more than I would have thought. That is for damn sure. Okay, meanwhile, what's going on here? with the United States stationing battle carriers in the, in the Mediterranean Sea. I've seen a bunch of isolationists who are like, why is the United States even getting involved? Okay, let me explain this. Once again, for those who are slow, what the United States wishes to prevent is being involved in a war. The way you avoid being involved in war is by demonstrating that if somebody does get involved in war, you're going to destroy them. You're going to send them forward in the case of the Iranian mullahs to the, to the Stone Age. That is how you get them to not do the war. You know what invites war in the Middle East? Weakness. You know what d- prevents war? knowing that there will be a bomb that descends on your roof in five minutes if you start the thing. So the real risk for Israel in not finishing off Hamas right now is that this is taken as a sign of weakness, as it certainly would be, by Hezbollah. Hezbollah is a far more dangerous terrorist group than Hamas. Hamas is a dangerous terrorist group. They just proved it by killing 1,300 Jews. Hezbollah currently has over 100,000 highly sophisticated rockets, aimed directly at the north of Israel. Estimates suggest that were Hezbollah to fire all of those rockets, we wouldn't be talking about 1,300 dead Jews. You'd be talking about somewhere between 20 and 30,000 dead Jews, day one. If Hezbollah gets in, Israel will have no choice but to unleash the air force. If they unleash the air force, they're not going to be worried at that point about civilian casualties at all. They're simply going to have to eviscerate the entire south of Lebanon and topple the regime in Lebanon that supports Hezbollah. If that happens, Iran undoubtedly gets in, and so does Syria. If that happens... And Israel is now faced with a with a full war in the North combined with a war in the South because they will not have defeated Hamas. That's the predicate. If Israel is forced to the wall, the possibility of nuclear exchange is extremely high. That is why it is very important that the United States provide the material aid to Israel and that they also dissuade Hezbollah from getting in. It's why Joe Biden has been warning Hezbollah not to get in. That's what's happening right now. So the United States, again, Joe Biden... Made a fool, He's a fool for having catered to the to the Iranian regime for so long. It's what led to this in many ways. It turns out that once again, showing your neck to the Iranians ends with you being dead or your friends. Mostly, if you're in the United States, you gets your friends killed. But it certainly got a lot of Americans killed in Iraq when we showed our neck to Iran. In any case, the United States and Qatar, which is a which is an Iranian cutout, have now reached an agreement to prevent Iran from accessing six billion dollars recently unfrozen as part of a prisoner swap. Now, the real question here is why the United States is not putting pressure on Qatar to turn over Hamas's leadership to an international court. Why? why? The United States has that kind of leverage over Qatar. Perhaps they should be, you know, encouraging Hamas, to, Hamas leadership to be arrested, but they're not, they're not doing that. At the very least, that is a tacit admission that what's going on in Qatar, the, again, the entire Hamas leadership, they don't care what happens in the Gaza Strip. They're worth millions of dollars and they're living in Qatar in like posh five-star suites, as is very typical of terror group. And the, the, the great lie of these terror groups is that the leadership deeply cares about the cause. Very often, the leadership doesn't care about the cause. They just like getting rich and living in posh estates. Yasser Arafat, by the time he was done, was worth hundreds of millions of dollars that he had stolen from his own people. Mahmoud Abbas is a very rich man. The heads of Hamas, again, living it up, posh style, in Qatar, far away from the human privation that they have caused in the Gaza Strip. But the bottom line here is that the interest the United States has, no one wants a war. This straw man that, that everyone is itching for a war with Iran, like, name, name the person, like, name the people. I know Lindsey Graham says dumb words sometimes, but like, aside from Lindsey Graham, can you name people who are like, yeah, let's go to war with... Israel doesn't want to war with Iran. No one... This, this bizarre isolationist notion, this straw man, that it's you versus all the warmongers. No, it really, really is not. It really is not. What it really is, is people understanding the Middle East and understanding that if you do not throw people off the ball right now, it's going to get way worse really quickly. Because again, Iran, if Iran gets involved, Iran has sponsorship from both China and Russia. And things get really ugly really quickly. Okay, well, this week has been just devastating, absolutely devastating on every level. It's been devastating for Westerners generally, or should be, if they had a, a shred of, of class or an ounce of dignity. Uh, there are many millions of people who do. I'm. I'm not discounting any of those people. Obviously, the the outpouring of support from Americans for Israelis and for Jews generally has been amazing to watch. I've gotten calls from tons of of Christian friends, uh, t- calls from from tons of people who are a religious, p- just people who are seeking to help, and God bless every one of you. Seriously, God bless you, and and God bless people who are who are willing to stand up for the lives of Jews. It is rarer than you would think. It's been. Obviously, an unbelievably difficult time. I don't know a single person in my in my you know inner circle, Jew or not Jew, who hasn't been devastated by this. Obviously in the Jewish community, it's it's a singular, it's a singular tragedy. It's a reminder of our vulnerability. It's a reminder of how many people simply want dead Jews and are fine with dead Jews and cheer dead Jews. It's a reminder of all of those things. But I wanted to end the week on with, with on a on a a note of of heroism. So every time there is human evil that, that exposes its fangs. There are many people who rush toward the fire. Who rush toward, and we saw this on 9-11, obviously. People literally rushing toward the fire. In this particular case, there are a bunch of stories that have emerged from Israel that that are that are worth retelling. These are people who are gonna have streets named after them someday. Amazing, amazing people. This one is from the New York Post. A retired major general for the Israeli Defense Forces raced to rescue his son and his family who were hiding in their home near the Gaza border as Hamas terrorists destroyed their village. Noam Tibon, 62, recalled the moment he assured his son, journalist Amir Tibon, he would save him and his family when their small kibbutz of Nahal Oz fell under siege by Hamas on Saturday. He said, you have to be quiet. You have to be locked. He said, trust me, I will come. This is my profession. Nobody, nobody can stop me. Over the span of 10 hours, he's 62, the determined father raced from Tel Aviv to his son's home where he rescued several survivors of Hamas and fought against terrorists while on his way to save his family. So his son was in his home Saturday morning, heard the mortars flying overhead, and then he and his wife raced to, to hide. They have two young daughters, three and one. He said, when you live on the border with Gaza, attacks like this happen from time to time. You sometimes wait an hour. You pack your bags. Meanwhile, when there's a break of a few minutes, you shove the kids in the car. You go toward a more secure place. But the break never came. Instead, Hamas infiltrated the kibbutz and he thought we're going to die. After being reassured his father would come for them, Amir said he tried to keep his daughters calm and quiet, telling them to trust their parents. I have to do the same thing right now. He said, I have to trust my father. He's a trustworthy man. Noam Tibone and his wife then raced from Tel Aviv to Oz. That's about an hour and a half away. They stopped along the way to help survivors of the Nova Music Festival massacre who were running away barefoot. After delivering as many people as they could to a safe location away from the border, Tibone went back and arrived at the outskirts of Oz, And he pulled out a pistol to fight the members of Hamas, many of whom were armed with automatic weapons, spotting injured soldiers. T-Bone once again opted to put his personal mission on hold to help the wounded retreat to a hospital before going back to look for his son. By the way, that is, I mean, can you imagine that? Your own child is calling you from the bunker and asking for your help, and you literally stop to help other people on the way, twice. He gave up his car to help the wounded, so then he, he enlisted the help of another retired general named Israel Ziv. The two men drove into Nachal Oz, and there they joined the IDF in fighting at the terrorists. T-Bone said, when I came to the area of my son's house, there were at least five bodies of terrorists and Israeli soldiers killed. And uh, and that's when grandfather arrived and saved everybody. It's an amazing, amazing story. But these stories are coming out fast and furious from Israel. Um, amazing people who who were racing toward the fire. Young women. This isn't even talking about the people who were killed. And, and there were many people, again, 1,300 dead. Many people who were murdered 18, 19 years old, rushing to the scene to try and save people. Uh, to the... the nation of Israel is, is coming together. Uh, the, there have been at least three weddings that took place uh, in rushed circumstances on IDF bases, people who are scheduled to get married in the next couple of days when all of this broke out. And uh, instead, they just decided that they were going to hold their wedding on an IDF base. Here is footage of, uh, of one of those weddings. You can see, this is just a, they they decided they were going to put the wedding together on the spur of the moment. Again, this is a soldier who's going to go into harm's way to protect his fellow Jews and fellow Israeli citizens, Jewish and not Jewish alike. There are weddings like this that were put together spur of the moment. People dancing and singing in the wake of of human evil. And, um, you know, Hamas says that the Jews love life, we love death. That is certainly true. Hamas loves death. The Jews love life. And Hamas is going to get to wish. Alrighty, folks, in just a minute, I'll be interviewing Rudy Rockman. He's an IDF soldier who's currently on the ground. He was one of the first soldiers to respond to the massacre that took place in Kfar Aza. To hear that interview, you need to become a Daily Wire Plus member. Head on over to Daily Wire Plus right now and join. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First,